Hello and welcome back to another episode of East Got Game, an unofficial podcast showcasing the NBL One East competition for 2023, where we try to review and preview the current and future rounds of the NBL One East, and we try and sneak in a couple of player interviews here and there where we can. As usual, my name is Jacinta Govan from the Central Coast Crusaders, and with me is Lockie France, the legend from the Sutherland Sharks. Hello, Lockie. Hey, Squin. How's it going? Not too bad. It's been a whirlwind of a week. So uh, it is, uh, yes, the sec- episode. this episode recording has come up very quickly, but I'm really, really excited for this episode because we will have Chris Bryant from the Inner West Bulls, the power forward all the way from Tallahassee uh, in the United States uh, as our guest today. But first we have some business to attend to being the results and a couple of game recaps. But before we get stuck into that, Lockie, you are wearing a Manly Warringah Sea Eagles jumper today. Tell us about that. Went to Manly and... Okay, I went to Manly for the game on Saturday. And so I actually... Okay, I'm just a merch fiend. I, I love merch. So I reached out to um, Alex Delaney because Manly Warringah's website at the time didn't have a merch link on it. I was like, like, I've never seen a merch stand at your stadium. Do you guys actually like sell merch to the public? And she was like, I got you. So I went up to Manly on Saturday for the game and Alex Delaney hooked me up with a Manly jacket. And as I tweeted, if players think they can buy my support with a club jacket, they're absolutely right. So other NBL One East clubs, take note because, as Lockie said, he is a merch fiend. First, Sutherland Shark supporter. Second, he will wear anything <laughs> and everything. And if you go and follow Lockie on socials, you will know how dedicated he is to supporting uh, especially women's sport by buying lots of jerseys and soccer shirts. And you, you've got quite a cool collection, Lockie. So uh, this one's just adding to it, really. It certainly is. My whole front wardrobe is actually just jerseys. <laughs> and our friend of the podcast, Nick Walker, shared with me a photo on Instagram that he also bought some Central Coast Crusaders socks when he came to watch uh, a home game versus Canberra. So he's also getting around and um, purchasing some very cool merch. But he's also getting around to uh, as many NBL One East games as possible to uh experience what it's like at other clubs other than his home club of uh the hills hornets so good on you nick uh and uh hopefully you're enjoying the game so far but actually into it oh yeah if we're talking about socks everyone don't forget to buy your pink socks because uh pink round is not this weekend coming but the next so may 12th to 14th round so get your pink socks donate to breast cancer awareness all that good stuff that's a really, really good point, Lockie. I'm glad you brought that up because they are some pretty cool hot pink socks. I think uh, the NBL one has tweeted a couple of links where you can purchase the socks. Uh, they may even be able to find a link on their Instagram. But to hold us accountable, Lockie, we'll share it on the East Got Game Instagram as well to try and encourage players to buy lots of socks. I'm sure you'll be ordering a pair or do you already have a pair from last season? I don't actually have a pair from last season, so I uh, will have to uh, order a pair, definitely. Yes, I do have a pink jersey. I have an unawarding pink jersey from last season or two seasons ago. So, Oh, maybe this season we can aim to try and get an NBL One East team pink jersey because sometimes they're not always readily available. That's right. 
So yeah, good job. Good point, Lockie, aiming to get those pink socks. So now we can get into the results of MBL1 East 2023 for round seven. This week, Lockie, you were tasked with the Women's League. So take us through the results. Yeah, so of course, uh, one game short on what we expected after the uh, Canberra COE, both men's, I think both men's and women's games were postponed. Uh, so first game of the week was we saw the return of Lauren Nicholson for the Sutherland Sharks, but Manly Warringah too good on their home patch, 91-65. Uh, Aubrey Wodonga hosted the Penrith Panthers and got the 86-68 victory. Uh, Violet Morrow was on fire again for Bankstown as they knocked off Hornsby Karingai 91-60, to travelling up to the brick pit. Uh, Maitland snuck home against the Hills Hornets 69-59 with Rachel Williams back in the lineup for the Mustangs. They've now won four on the trot. Inner West, again led by Michaela Domkins and Leilani Mitchell, picking up a 73-66 win over the Central Coast Crusaders. North absolutely monstered Illawarra in a 114-56 to win. So massive game. Lots of players are chalking up good stat lines for the North Bears in that one. And then Newcastle, well, they did it by committee, scoring an 86-70 win over a Sydney Comets team that did have Vanessa Panousas back in the lineup. So, uh, yeah. So... Bit of an interesting week, to say the least, especially bookended by uh, Sutherland with Nicholson returning, still falling to a 26-point loss, and Comets with, you know, Panousas, Heal and Crawshaw all in the lineup, falling to Newcastle. Yes, this is why we'll come back time and time again on this podcast and say it's been an interesting week. There were some uh, unpredictable results, and that's why we love the league and uh, I was talking also to the assistant coach of the Lady Bandits, Sammy Mack. Shout out to Sammy Mack. He was also saying the same thing about the changes in the ladder and the results are always so exciting every week to uh, stay updated with, and that's why we love the league. It's it's going to go down to the Y in the women's comp, especially this season. Oh, 100%. I mean, who's going to get finals, you know, Host, uh, you know, early stages of finals. Who's going to sneak into finals? Um, yeah, you could uh, you could throw a blanket over the mid pack at the moment. It's that close. Yeah, sounds good. And for me, I will take us through the men's results for this round. So, kicking off with the Hornsby Karingai Spiders hosting the Bankstown Bruins. Losing that one 70 to 71 in overtime in another heartbreaker for the Spiders. And we'll get into that game a little bit more later on. But my goodness, the amount of lead changes in that final period was outstanding. Um, definitely one for the basketball fans. And then the Norse Bears beat uh, the Illawarra Hawks 101 to 75. The Hawks were missing a lot of their key players with the likes of Dave O'Hickey, Tim Conrad and Lucas Waxy Walker, all absent. And obviously still uh, Noah Bogotto was still absent as he looks like he's still overseas or is yet to come back into the roster. So Norse without Junior Madut getting it done uh, down in, their, in the Bear Cave. And Newcastle Falcons also claimed the scalp of the Sydney Comets in the men's, winning 89-74 to also at home. Uh, Manly Warringah Sea Eagles this time hosted the Sutherland Sharks. They lost 71-89. to 
Albury-Wodonga Bandits hosted the Penrith Panthers in another very close contest. Unfortunately, the Bandits losing 80 points to 81. So, But shout out to uh, Penrith Panthers for getting their second win of the season. Um, and Hills Hornets defeated Maitland Mustangs in what was probably a very important win for the Hornets. They won 82 to 76 at home. Then the weekend was finished by the Inner West Bulls absolutely crushing the Central Coast Crusaders 102 to 55. So, yes, like you said, Lockie, very, another very interesting round, some very important wins, such as, as I mentioned, the Hills Hornets over the Mustangs, the Penrith Panthers over the Bandits, the Falcons over the Comets. It's like a, it's like a soapy Lockie. It could write itself. It certainly could. I just um, want to make mention because, of course, um, Sutherland played Illawarra on Tuesday after we recorded last week's episode. Um, in that match, uh, Brandon Frere from Illawarra um, came down from a, a contest around the basket and um, don't know some sort of leg injury it looked like, but he um, he didn't return to that game and obviously and he didn't play against Illawarra uh, against North. Sorry. Um, and also, we saw Dave Hickey didn't play. I'm not sure if it's related, but he did look like he twinged something in the game against Sutherland, but did return. So, not sure if that's related to that or if something else has happened. Interestingly, also um, for Norse, no Mike Golding because he was actually playing on 3x3 World Tour with Lucas Waxy Walker. Correct. He sure was. So we saw Mike Golding very, oh, probably a good three weeks ago now as a coach for the University 3x3 Aussie Championships at UNSW. Uh, yeah, so now he's getting an opportunity to showcase his talents in a similar way. So best of luck to him over there. Um, and probably, you know, I think Coach Angus Burke was a little bit worried going into that game against the Hawks, not having Junior Madut and Mark Golding, but they pulled off a win, so I'm sure Coach Burke is very, very relieved. Definitely. Just uh, bank it and keep moving. Bank it and keep moving, exactly. Um, So a couple of games. So for this episode, uh, we're going to have a look at the Manly versus Sutherland Sharks game and the Newcastle versus Comets game in the women's competition then we'll be looking at one game for the men's competition being the Spiders-Bruins game, purely because we'll have Chris Bryant later on as an interview to cover a lot more about the Inner West Bulls. So that will give us a little bit more content and feel for the men's competition. Um, but, Lockie, you, uh, like you said, you attended the Manly-Sutherland game uh, while they played away, hence how you got your lovely new hoodie. Talk us through what you saw. Well, what I saw was a Sutherland team that just looked like they couldn't find a rhythm. So very first play of the game, charge call on Lauren Nicholson. Um, And that kind of set the tone. Uh, Sutherland, a few calls didn't go their way in the early stages. And I don't know if it kind of got in their head, but it certainly, um, yeah, it really affected their ability to get uh, into a rhythm and Manly really had um, no such worries as Manly rarely do. Um, also, something something that rankled Sutherland on a few occasions, uh, there was just a few, um, like the shot clock not starting when they inbound the ball at the baseline. So just bringing the ball up and, you know, the player gets to half court and the refs realise, oh, the shot clock hasn't started. 
And it just, yeah, it, it happened. The pain. The pain. It happened, it happened a good few times and it actually really started to frustrate, um, especially some of the Sutherland players. I think, you know, I felt they felt like they weren't getting the rub of the green with the refs, um, you know, if, um, and the shot clock mess ups. And yeah, just yeah, a few, th- few outside um, influences affecting them. And, and the foul count did end 23-15 um, in Manly's favour. Um, and a lot of Sutherland's fouls were concentrated among uh, four players as well. So um, Nicholson fouled out late. Liv White had four. Matty Norris had four. Kelly Hovada came off the bench. She finished with four in 20 minutes. So, yeah, just when, when that kind of thing happens, it really makes it hard to get anything rolling. And uh, Manly took full advantage. Um, once again, I think this will be the only place where anyone on the Manly side gets credit for their performances because, once again, all five starters finished in double figures. Uh, and Zoe Miller then had nine off the bench in 18 minutes coming off a uh, minor ankle injury. But it's just they just keep playing team ball. They're well drilled. Um, they didn't give anything away. If you've watched Sutherland throughout the year, you know that Liv White loves a steal when you pass across the top of the top of the arc. She is liable to just take off like she's playing rugby sevens and go to the rack. Um, she had zero steals and the Sharks finished with four fast break points. Mm. So Manly just, yeah, really honed in on not only what they wanted to do, but what they didn't want to do. Uh, they still had, I mean, they still had 14, 14 turnovers, but uh, Sharks had 18. So, uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, what are Manly now? They're, they're eight and one. So they're looking really, really good. Uh, Sharks, they got it back to, I think, within six in the third quarter, but you're not going to win any games shooting 26.7% from the field. Uh, you know, 20, 23 of 86. Uh, they had, what, 24 more shot attempts than Manly did, helped by 24 O boards. But... Uh, Manly 20, 25 of 29 at the line. I will say the free throw shooting was um, unexpectedly good. Well, maybe not unexpectedly for these teams, but unexpectedly for what we see in NBL 1 East. Uh, 25 of 29 for Manly Warringah and the Sharks a perfect 12 of 12 at the line. So they certainly didn't let themselves down when they got the opportunity. Lauren Nicholson, 8 of 8. Uh, Maddie Norris and Callie Hovatt are both 2 of 2. Yeah, I noticed that the, you know, in the fourth quarter, Manly had like a 20-point run and they outscored the Sharks in the fourth quarter 23-8. to eight. Um, Is that in correlation to the foul trouble that Sutherland saw themselves in? Um, a little bit and a little bit, um, just a little bit of, yeah, frustration. I don't know. I, like not, not giving up, just like, you know, you kind of, your head drops, you know, you feel... Just one of those days where it feels like everything's against you. It just didn't feel like the energy was there. And it sort of just, once once it got a little bit um, away from them, it really got away from them. But I do just want to make a point that Sutherland's defensive rating is now 11th in the league. Ooh. And and their net rating is now negative. So they're giving up more points per possession than they're scoring. 
So despite, you know, they've got the best assist, but they assist on more baskets as a percentage than any other team, but they're just not scoring that much. And against Manly, um, they actually only had 11 assists on 23 made field goals, whereas Manly had 19 on 28 made field goals. Uh, and aside from Kelly Hovada and... Matty Norris shooting seven of twelve from deep. The rest of the team shot zero of nineteen from three Ooh, point range. That hurts. That hurts, yeah. especially against a manly team that are how, however many shooters. I mean, I know in this game they had another five people in double figures, including the Delaney sisters, the Henderson sisters, and Kim Hodge. Uh, so you know the, the the Spice Force Five, as we call, as I can call them now. Um, <laughs> That's a deep cut for any old Spice Girls fans out there who have watched the movie too many times like me. But, uh, yeah, and like, and it looked like Zoe Miller is still coming back from injury because she only played 18 minutes. Uh, but she still had nine points, three rebounds, three assists. Um, but otherwise fairly well evenly spread. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that is a reflection of their ball reversal, um, taking the right shots at the right time and obviously getting the ball to their scorers in, in the right way. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something we, we, we talk about it just about every week. If we're not talking about their game in depth, we're probably making note of it later in, the, later in an episode because it's always team ball. It's always finding the right player in the right position. And, you know, they shoot, they shot 45% from the field. They shot forty eight percent from two point range. You know they're just doing what they, what they have to do, and it can't be fun defending a team where all five players are true scoring threats. Well, did Sutherland play any zone? Not, not a huge amount. I didn't look honestly. I was watching, but I was, um, I had this bad. I have this horrible ability to kind of tune out when I'm not watching for commentary. Um, but, I mean, Manly aren't, I mean, so, I mean, no matter what you do, you still got Kim Hodge there in the middle and she's always going to be a focal point, six of 14 from two-point range. Um, I'm just noticing now, Tony Henderson was six of eight from two-point range. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, they're two players who are really good at getting to the rack. Well, I mostly asked two. Be, one, one good at getting to the rack, one at, you know, being there all the time. Yeah. yeah. I mostly asked because their game in the previous round against Penrith was really close and Penrith played zone most of the game and it looked like that Manly were struggling a little bit to get some better shots inside and be able to penetrate and dish and move that zone a little bit better. And when their outside shots aren't dropping, you know, it, their scoring dries up. So mm. I thought that perhaps Sutherland would be prepared with a zone, given that that was so successful for, for Penrith the week before. Yeah, they also – Pen, uh, Penrith. Sutherland have some pretty good um, – like, oh, I – You'd expect with like Nicholson and Hov out of there that, you know, the defense, even like playing man defense, would be like up there. But they've got to reintegrate Nicholson into the lineup as well. Yeah. Um, that's something that, um, yeah. Look, mainly good value for their win. Um, but 
I think Sutherland will get better with Nicholson having more time with the team. But how much more time will she have with the team? She could get Noble's call up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, and we, we saw this week a lot of our Opals have uh, headed over to start their WNBA training camps. Um, and then we know that the Asia Cup is going to be hosted in Sydney on the last week of June slash start of July. So it's going to be pretty soon where they're going to have to have an Opals camp again. Um at some stage, whether that be, what is it now? It's just turned May, uh, June. I mean, they have to have at least one camp between now well, they've got and, a cup. and the Cup. Yeah, well, I mean, if there are eight or nine Aussies in WNBA this year and they're all in that squad, and mm. that squad was 26, so they've still got to cut down, what, 17 or 18 players down to 12. And they're not going to do that without seeing the players in a camp. Yeah, so, exa- yeah, exactly. So how many games are Sutherland going to have with with Nicholson? Mm. Um, I just made – I did make note of something. Um, I can find exactly what I wrote down. Let me have a look. I mean, it's, it doesn't – Sutherland, yeah, they're five and four now and they've got to get – they do play Bankstown, COE, and Comets in three of their next six, but also Hills, Penrith, and Hornsby. Uh, so they're going to want to make sure they get those three against Hills, Penrith, and Hornsby, and then come out swinging in those other three if they're going to make a move up the table. Yeah. Because I think mo- most of the finals contenders are going to be banking wins against Hills, Penrith, and Hornsby. No disrespect to those three teams, but um, you can't be – a finals contender if you're dropping games to the lower teams. And, of course, and Sutherland, they finished the season with Albury away, Manly at home, and then Canberra away. So they probably want to be, you know, making a charge back up to get in touch with those top four teams if they want to, um, you know, not leave themselves too much to do to secure a good finals position. Mm. But Manly, absolutely flying. Yeah, I, they they certainly are. They're definitely looking like the uh, the top tip for the championship at this point in time. They certainly are. Um, they will. They head down to Albury next week, and and then they've got Hills. So uh, tough tough road trip, and then Bankstown. So yeah, tricky couple of weeks, but uh, nothing they haven't. Um, you know. They've got through runs just as tough so far this season. I remember, you know, at the start of the season, we were talking about their their opening few games, and yeah, it doesn't matter who who sits stands in front of them at the moment. Yes, and speaking of important positions on the ladder, the second women's game that we're going to preview to oh, review today is uh, Newcastle Falcons and the Sydney Comets because they're also two teams who are pretty strong contenders for the championship this season. Comets starting the season with a 6-0 and zero run uh, and have now found themselves, after this, this loss to Newcastle on the weekend, Comets are now sitting at fifth place. So before we get into that nitty-gritty, what did you make of this game, Lockie? Well, much like the uh, uh, Manly Sutherland game, um, it was the team that shared the scoring that got the win. Uh, if you look at Comet's overall season stats, the usage percentages for Venusa's Crawshaw and Shiloh Hill are 
mammoth, whilst Newcastle is a lot, lot more spread. And on a day where Nicole Munger didn't have her usual 20 and 20 or whatever silly number she wants to put up, uh, other players stepped up. Abby Curtin had 20 and 9. Uh, Kate Kingham buried 4 of 8. There you go, buried 4 of 8. Um, their new import, uh, Makaya Gray, 15. Uh, Emily Foy, 12 off the bench. And Nicole herself chipping in 13 points, five rebounds, three assists, and three steals. Whereas we look on the other side for Comets, um, of their 70 points, Heal, Crawshaw, and Panousis combined for 63 of those. Oh, wow. So Ouch. Seven Talk total points three. for the rest of the team. Yeah, big three indeed. Uh, Crawshaw shot 50% from the field, but Panousis only shot four of 14. Um, Shyla Hill only 8 of 22 from the field. Admittedly, well, to be fair, Shyla got to the line a lot. Uh, shot 11 of 12 uh, at the line. Panusa 7 of 9 at the line. Uh, but they only shot 3 of 13 from 3. Um, they Newcastle gave up 36 free throws, which is well over their season average. They had a check on... Um, Hoops DB, Duncan Berg's website. If you haven't checked it out, it is a tremendous resource. Oh, uh, he, the guy's a genius, like, oh. and he's doing everyone the biggest favour because these are stats that, A, I didn't know could exist, and, B, <laughs> we would never have otherwise have access to such good stats. So Hoops DB on Instagram and online as a web page. Uh, oh. I might I might sound a bit outdated saying it like that on a web page, but you know what I mean. Google it. Uh, and yeah, highly recommend you get into that. It's so good because that, that's actually what I went to look for, where I found the stat that they get they concede nineteen free throws a game. They conceded thirty six and committed twenty five fouls. But you want to play physical defense, you're going to commit fouls. You got Shyla Hill going to the rack, you're going to commit fouls. It's the trade off. Are you happy to play your physical defense? Be you know absolute lockdown as possible. Are you happy to commit a few fouls if it means maybe rattling the opposition a bit, getting them off their game? That's the trade-up you got to go with. And whilst uh, Newcastle, you know, they had all five of their starters had three or more fouls. Kingham, Gray, and Munger had four apiece. Foy had three. Um, but, you know, if it works, it works. Uh, you know, they kept Comet's shooting percentage low. Yes, they let them get to the line. But, you know, if they're going to defend like that and it's going to work for them, more power to them. And I noticed as well on uh, the official stats on the NBL1 website that Christy Boltitude actually coached this game. Uh, and it looks like Marty McLean and Keely, Mc and Keely McLean's not on the list either. So I'm guessing they were both away. I'm guessing so. Christy also coached last game, I'm pretty sure, as well. Yeah, wow, right. way to get a great win, uh, Coach Boltitude. Very good. Yeah. What I found interesting too is since Shyla has come back into the fold for the Comets, I shouldn't say back, but since Shyla has uh, come into the Comets, Hannah Griffin unfortunately hasn't been getting a lot of court time, which I find surprising considering she was getting quite a bit at the start. Um, do you feel like once the likes of Jada... Uh, you know, heads overseas and Shyla also heads into Opal's camp, as we were mentioning with Loz Nicholson, then hopefully Hannah will be able to get a few more minutes. 
I certainly hope so because remember she dropped 30 odd for Maitland in a game last season. She's been trading with the Flames. Mm. Uh, you know, she's down here. She's, she, I mean, she moved to Sydney from Maitland. So, you know, she mm. probably could have chosen a couple of clubs. Um, made me look very silly saying I was on the call for Manly Comets a couple of weeks ago, as you know, and I said in the pregame, um, my, with Panusas out, it could be an opportunity for Hannah Griffin and she stayed on the bench. So I don't know if something's happening there or if she's just not getting, mm. just not getting minutes. She was suited up. Uh, that the game before, I didn't really notice on the bench. Yeah, I'd love to see her getting more minutes if if she is indeed available. Yeah, because uh, I, I think she's a real talent, and I mean, doesn't matter in this case, it doesn't matter what I think. She has demonstrated that she's a real talent. Yeah, absolutely, and she's still young. She's still got a long way to go, but her work ethic uh, is there. And you know, she like you said, she moved purposely from Maitland to Sydney to give her, you know, improve her game and give herself the best opportunity. So hopefully it will all work out for her. It's still early days, um, but I just thought it was interesting that she didn't take the court. But just looking at some of the analysis stats, as you mentioned before, um, the points from the bench for Comets was only three, as you mentioned, you know, the how, how many points Panusas, Crawshaw and Heel combined created. But points for the bench from Newcastle was 20 and... Um, what I found interesting is Newcastle's point in the points in the paint was 38 and Comets was still 30. I thought that was interesting. I thought perhaps Newcastle would have had a bit more of an edge over Comets on the inside considering they don't really have a true centre. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, was... I, I just know like McGuinness can only play at 11 minutes so they weren't I'm like just harking back to the game against Sutherland where at times they were just getting it to, into her on the block. With regularity, um, whether she'd pass out or shoot, um, so maybe just deciding that going to the rack was better than, you know, getting it in there. Yeah, I just think because the likes of Curtin and Munger for Newcastle, they're quite versatile, and you could have a you know an, a, a guard that's smaller than them in, in height or stature, and Munger and Curtin have the skill set to be able to post up another guard one-on-one that might give them some more opportunities for points in the paint. Um, yeah, so I just thought that was interesting. And similarly to the Manly Sutherland game we just spoke about, all in the fourth quarter, um, Newcastle just went on a run. They won that quarter 25-12 to 12 with a run of 11 in the fourth. So it just all seemed to be falling a little bit apart at the end there for the, for the Comets. Yeah, just... Yeah, it was a three-point game with 10 minutes to play and yeah, Newcastle just kicked in the last. And so timing is of the essence as we're expecting to have our special guest Chris Bryant from the Inner West Bulls come on very shortly. So I'll just give you a quick recap of the Hornsby Spiders versus Bankstown Bruins game in the men's competition. It was a one-point thriller that went into overtime and as I mentioned previously, the lead changes the incidents, the drama, especially even in that overtime period, was good enough for a soap opera. Basketball fans alike would have just been loving it. Um, And what I found really interesting is that it just really all came to circumstance, Uh, except in overtime there was one particular moment I feel like really changed the momentum uh, to be in favour of the Bruins. So what happened was... Ben White from the Spiders 
Uh, he got a rebound. He had his elbows out, keeping the ball high, trying to just create some space. And it looks like he did clip uh, Hayden Blankley from Bankstown. Now, certainly wasn't intentional from when I watched the game. Uh, it was initially called a foul and then upgraded to an unsportsmanlike foul. I would love to hear the opinions of the fans on this call if you go back and watch the replay in the fourth because this meant that then the Bruins had two shots. Uh, after that, those two shots, I think it meant that they were up by one uh, and then the Spiders went down the other end and scored a layup of a pick and roll and then the Bruins, though, went back and scored off a lovely dump inside. But let me just, I think I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here with this game. Oh, let me go through some stats. Uh, like, you know, as expected for Hornsby, led by Sharif Sapaya with 22 points, three rebounds. Um, Corbena Brefo had a great game. Uh, he played the most minutes of everyone for the Spiders. He played the 41 minutes and 45 seconds, which, you know, I'm just tired reading that that's an extraordinary amount to play <laughs> he ended up with 14 points three rebounds and he shot at 85 percent sorry I'm going to round that up to 86 percent shooting six from seven uh, and Ben White had a double double in 25 minutes with 12 points and 10 rebounds and the pick and roll between Ben White and Sharif Sapaya uh, showed a lot of promise and I imagine that Coach Hesh is going to use that a lot more often this season as the go-to when the shot clock winds down to 10 seconds or less because they were a very handy combo. It was just unlucky that Ben probably missed some bunnies there in the stretch of the game where he was open for a few layups. But, look, it happens to the best of us, mate, so absolutely nothing against you. Uh, Bankstown, Hayden Blankley uh, ended up with 23 points, six rebounds, and he shot... Uh, he shot at 25%, but I think probably the timing of his shots were what was important in this game, especially making those free throws at the end where he was 12 from 12, my kind of player, 100% from the free throw line. And he did make um, a really nice jump shot in the OT, which really put Bruins in touch with the win. And he was backed up by Jack Lopez, who played 45 minutes. Even that's, more than Brefo. That's, yeah. that's the whole time, including overtime. That that um, is a that is a captain's knock. That is minutes. a captain. Whew. I mean, if he wasn't getting the six pack by the end of the game, uh, <laughs> what's a guy got to do? He ended up with sixteen point seven rebounds, four assists, and three steals, and probably doing a hell of a job on defense. But speaking of defense, to be honest, some other. Notes from this game other than uh, the one-point loss. It was actually the Hornsby's second one-point loss in a row. So that's that's got to be tough for the team. But hopefully, oh. I'm sure under Coach Hesh, they'll find that as a character-building kind of thing and come back stronger in the next round. Um, just a couple of other notes from the game. Some of the on-ball defense, uh, for me, the defense was really waxing and waning this game. There were certainly patches where... On-ball defense wasn't uh, the best. Lots of people either coming out of stance or drop-stepping a little bit too far, opening up that driving lane a little bit too far, um, allowing the likes of Sapaya to find a way and even um, Hayden Blankley finding a way. And I think i got to give out a shout-out to Jonah Perez, who I think had a really beautiful assist 
under the basket to Joshua Shepard, which was the final points for the Bruins to secure the win. That play, uh, it's worth going back in the highlights for that really nice play. I was Um, just about to mention that. Yeah, Um, it was really good. Just on your point on the defense, because what I noticed, I just, I caught a bit of the overtime and I noticed that Bankstown actually had a foul to give in overtime at the end there. Um, Yeah, they did. They did. You're right. I noticed, so I went back and looked at the stats and saw they only committed 12 fouls for the game. Is that good defense or not engaged enough on defense? Um. I'm going to be critical and say it wasn't engaged enough in defence. For both teams, to be fair, there were lots of holes opening up, uh, like I said, on ball, but also in the second line of rotation. So some of those great plays uh, and great passes under the basket, they look good, but when you go back and have a look, they were just massive holes in in the defence for each team, except for that one by Jonah Pires at the end that won the game. That was actually quite well contested, and uh, Joshua Shepard's, Basket was actually quite well contested too, but inside of the earlier parts of the game, it was very, very holy. It was very Swiss cheese. Um, But uh, otherwise, like, I mean, in terms of the result, in terms of getting a game to go to OT, I think, is this the first game we've had in this season that's gone to OT? No, I think there's been one other. One other. I don't know where it was, but I'm pretty sure there's been another OT game, but they've been few and far between. Plenty of close games, just not going to to OT. Yeah, and uh, really big stat that I'm sure people are going to look out for. Hornsby Karingai Spiders, of their total 70 points, had 48 points in the paint, which I think is really, really great to see. Uh, the biggest run they had was 11 during the game. Um, and Bankstown only had 26 points in the paint. So I think that obviously you know, playing to Hornsby's strengths or maybe reflective of some of the holes in that second line of rotation on D. Um, so that pretty much covers my recap of that game. Did you – have I missed anything there, Lockie? No, I think you're pretty much uh, bang on there, Squin. Um, yeah, I, I didn't catch a whole lot of it, but I saw it. And especially in the overtime period, what you pointed out, the, the play – it was not just the play to win the game, but I, if I remember correctly, the play to tie it up right at the end of regulation was pretty good as well from Bankstown. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was actually. Yes. So, yeah. you know, Bankstown really keeping it exciting, <laughs> keeping it uh, as late as possible. Um. Yeah. And I just want to, as the stream ran out, you could see as Sharif tried to get the um, game winner off very, very well guard. I can't remember who by, all and of the, them. It was like three uh, guys just suffocating the, him. The the I think the player who initially was guarding him came over afterwards and helped him up because you can see how Sharif just puts the team on his back offensively every week. And uh, he, he must have been crushed to be so close to getting that win after you know two one point losses in a row. And I just I just really hope he just goes off for 40 and they get a win there at the brick pit. It would be so great to see because he's doing so much for that team. Well, they played the Hornsby, sorry, they play the Penrith Panthers and Aubrey Wodonga Bandits next round. So there is opportunity now for Hornsby to take these last two character building losses into these games against Penrith and Aubrey Wodonga Bandits to get a couple of sneaky wins. Fingers crossed for the Spiders. No, no disrespect to uh, Penrith or Aubrey there. 
Uh, and that, can t that concludes our quick wrap of the round. And now we're going to get ready to interview Chris Bryant. So stay tuned. All right, we are back uh, at the East Got Game podcast, the unofficial NBL One East and unofficial NBL One East podcast. I still haven't gotten that. Nine episodes in, I still keep saying <laughs> the unofficial podcast. Uh, maybe I'm just manifesting too much. Nonetheless, we are very, very delighted to be joined by a very special guest. He is a six-eight power forward from Tallahassee. He graduated from the Miami Red Hawks, which is a Div 1 NCAA college in the Mid-American Conference, with a degree in social work, human development, and family studies. Also the star of the Tallahassee Southern Kings in the Basketball League and a certified fan of Drake and a social media hype guy. We are joined by Chris Bryant from the Inner West Bulls, a.k.a. CB. How are you going, buddy? What's going on? Hey, I'm doing good. Um and excited to be on tonight with you guys, excited for the opportunity, um, you know, just chilling with my host family, uh, getting ready to have dinner, you know, after we get done because I'm a little hungry. <laughs> yes, uh, I feel you on that. I do appreciate you joining us uh, definitely in the middle of dinner time uh, to record this episode. Um, so was that – now I tried to give a bit of a varied intro to have you on the show, you know, Tallahassee, Tallahassee native, degree in social work, are all of those things true? Did I get it right? Yeah, you actually did get it right. That was an amazing intro. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. I tried to keep it spicy and uh, I know that you're a Drake fan because I've noticed that you've tweeted a lot of Drake lyrics. Am I right? Yeah, I do love Drake. Drake's my guy. Hopefully I get to meet him one day. Maybe one day if you play for the Raptors, right? You can yeah, give him yeah. a high five courtside. Yeah. Well, we can bring him here. Hopefully, I get to the NBL and, um, you know, invite him over. Yeah. Maybe we can in, uh, interest him to invest in an in a NBL team or something like that. That would be yeah, kind of cool. Yeah, that would be dope. So, tell us, Chris, where did basketball all start for you? How did basketball come into your life? Uh, for me, uh, basketball started for me when I was about three years old. Uh, when I came out the womb, I was a very tall and long baby. Um, I always tell people this fun fact about myself is when I was in year five, in grade five, I was 5'11". So I was uh, going to school, playing basketball in the morning and dunking on the elementary goals. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Wow. And for context, uh, I'm 5'11 right now. So, <laughs> yeah, so you are, yeah, you're quite a tall, I'm sure you were head and shoulders above everyone else at elementary school. Did anyone else in your family play basketball as well? Or was it, uh, did you go to a high school, uh, sorry, a elementary school or a high school that was very basketball focused? Uh, well, as far as my family, uh, my mama ran track. She ran track um, when she was, she attended Florida State University in Tallahassee. So she, uh, that's why I would say I get my speed, my speed from. Um, far as athletic, nobody played sports, but my mom is five eleven, my dad is six four, and my grandfather is six five. And I'm the tallest person in my family and one of the only guys in my family to go pro to make it this far. Wow, representing. I like that. I like that a lot. Lucky, were you gonna chime in there? No, 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 no. I was just um so you played for Central Florida Community College and then made the jump to D1. We're seeing more and more 
uh, players in Australia doing that nowadays. Um, can you give us any insight into into what it's like going from JUCO to NCAA D1? Well, yeah, JUCO was a uh, was a good experience. Uh, just a lot of high profile basketball with guys that enter the portal that maybe things didn't go right at their first destination and they're looking to get an, uh, a second chance or maybe even their first chance. So it's kind of like a place where uh, you get a second chance or a first chance to prove yourself, um, get your name out there and um, try to, you know, make your next situation the best situation for you. So it was a very high in- intensity, play a lot of good guys, guys that's ranked in the top 25. I just so happened to be ranked in the top 15 when I was in junior college myself. So uh, just making that jump and just uh, keep on believing in yourself and try to make it to that final destination. Yeah, because I think most of what people from the outside, when they think of Juco, they just think of Last Chance U. Netflix, but uh, not all like that. No, it's not all like that. My school was uh, actually at College of Central Florida. When I went there, I ended up transferring from Florida Atlantic University down in Boca Raton, Florida. And when I went there, that we had just won the championship of College of Central Florida. So when I got there, we was ranked number one. So we was playing all the top teams, and we might have been number one for probably the first 10 weeks until we finally got knocked off, but Every game was a, a big game, a high-profile game for us. So, nah, Juco was uh, Juco was really fun for me. Uh, I enjoyed it. Had a great had a great team. Most of our guys was six four and taller, so I wasn't the tallest one on our team. But we we practically was a D one team in Juco. Yeah, because I think on paper a lot of people will assume that there's a big uh, difference in the standard of play between Juco and NCAA Div one. Is there much of a jump going from one to the other in terms of how fit you got to be and where your skill level's got to be at? Uh, I don't think it's a difference. I think it's a difference in just uh, when you go to D1, you'll probably play more bigger guys because, you know, you got guys who's been there from uh, freshman to senior. You got guys who's All-American, All-Conference. So you're going to get some big profile guys. I know when I went to Miami my last two years, I ended up playing – like I'm, I'm really a power forward, a stretch forward, but I end up having to play uh, the five position there because uh, our five men at the time had got hurt. So I had to step in, and for the last two seasons, I just went against a, a bunch of guys that was at least my height to 7-2. So be able to get that experience to, uh, you know, to hold your own against guys that I might be bigger or might be considered better with a better resume at the time, you know, it really, you know, puts a lot on your shoulders to, uh, one, put the work in on and off the court, doing your your research, doing your homework. I'm a guy that likes to, you know, research who I'm my opponents and who I'm going through. So I used to always just research, watch a lot of film, and then make sure I knew, you know, what they like, what they didn't like. So when it came to game time, I was prepared, and I was even that much more comfortable just in case that person was either taller than me or weight-wise bigger than me. And when you had to step up from that four role to the five, and you mentioned about going against bigger bodies in terms of, you know, weight and height, uh, what were some of your existing skills that you were able to transfer into a five? So, for example, the times where I've had to play a four or a five, um, and I've definitely often come across people who are a lot stronger than me, I tried to use my... Uh, agility and quickness to try and front them in the post rather than trying to beat them in a strength contest I knew I was going to lose. So what were some of your assets that you were able, as a four-man, being able to bring in that five spot? 
Yeah, I would say for me, uh, I'm more of a, you can say I'm more of a bully myself, even though like far as weight, I'm not as big. But against those guys, I know with my skill set is very unique, me being 6'8", 6'9", not your typical four or five man. I could do a little bit of everything. So I always knew, you know, if a guy was, if he was bigger than me as far as weight, then I can stretch him out to the to the three point line, you know, get one or two moves going, get downhill. Or, for an example, if the guy was taller, if the guy was just taller than me, uh, but he might not been as big, then I could just use my my strength, but not a, not along with that my my length as well, because I have a seven two wingspan. So just utilizing, getting to that mid range, getting to my spots, pump faking, getting over guys, and getting to their bodies uh, to get calls. Um, and just shooting the outside shot, three-point to mid-range, and just trying to draw fouls and make it just harder f- for them. And I would just say, uh, I guess one of my biggest attributes of my game is sprinting the floor. So just trying to out-sprint, out-work everybody, you know, any little chance that I can get. You know, if I can get eight points off just running the lane and beating them down the court, that's eight more free points that I, you know, help my team with. Lucky, you got anything? Uh I just, I was just looking at this next question that uh, Squin's got written down. Squin, you know me, I'm a basketball nuffy when it comes to, uh, you know, leagues around the world and knowing about different leagues. And I got to admit, the uh, the basketball league, the Tallahassee Southern Kings, uh, not something I'm familiar with. Um, can you tell us about that league? Yeah, so I think the league has been around, I think, going now to like six years. So it's I would say it's more of a third-level league in the state. So you will have NBA, you have G League, and really you didn't have nothing uh, nothing else really to look forward to or maybe even get an opportunity for yourself. And um, this guy that's named uh, Marvin Magley, uh, he's the owner, uh, co-owner of the Basketball League, and he presented he presented the league to America. And uh, we they have about – it's still growing – but it's probably about 30 to 40 teams around in different conferences and having um, all-star games. So it was one of – it was, to me, I would say – for me, I would say it was more of like a middleman league, like say if uh, maybe things didn't work out the way that you wanted after college or with an agent or, you know, you just didn't have nowhere to play. He was a league now that was presented to you where you can go and play and get an opportunity to – maybe play in your hometown or get paid to play in another state and go around and still get whole game film, stats, highlights. So it's a growing league, but I, I say it's a, it's a great league because without that league, I probably wouldn't be here today. So it was a league that helped me further my career when I had bumps in the road and I needed somewhere, you know, to rejuvenate my, my career, to continue to keep on playing. And they was able to, I actually was able to get an opportunity to play in my hometown for the last time because I played in my hometown uh, in high school. And in high school, I was a household name ranked in the top 100 in America, um, 3A player of the year, won two championships, two high school championships, one undefeated. So for me to be able to get the opportunity for people who didn't get to see me play in college and so forth, you know, they got an opportunity one last time to see me play in the States and, you know, 
do my thing one last time. So it was a very special uh, – it was a special year and just a special league that's growing as well. And I think people maybe take for granted just how good the setup is here with NBL 1 and even Waratah League and Big B and Siebel back in the day where you have – you can come home and you just have – your local club has a semi-professional team. Mm-hmm. And it literally every – you know, every town you can pretty much go back and play at a really decent level. And in the States, that hasn't really always been the case, at least not in organized basketball. Right, right. No. So for for them to bring that league, and I know them personally, met them personally, the owners and co-owners, to, to do that and then to, like I said, to have an opportunity to play in front of friends and family and travel and go through my ups and downs as well, uh, being back home and, you know, with distractions and things of that nature. Um, it was just a cool and fun experience. And I feel like if I didn't go through that, it wouldn't prepare me for, you know, where I am now in the NBL one with the Inner West Bulls. So then how, how did you find your way to the Inner West Bulls? <laughs> Man, this is a very, very intriguing story. So uh, my season with the Tallahassee Southern Kings ended uh, – around the middle of June and after the season I had it um I got invited to go try out with the Orlando Magics uh the Lake uh, the Lakeland Magics um it's on my pro- it's on my Instagram profile so I got an opportunity to you know to get that trial and got some good feedback um I also got a uh, a chance to play well I got a chance to try out for the NBLC so that's a uh National Basketball Association of Canada Canada League for the Windsor Express um, got a chance to go up there and show my talents. And um, I'm a guy that does a lot of networking. So uh, while I'm networking, I'm putting all my, you know, everywhere that I'm going. And because uh, I did have some offers, like I had some offers to Ukraine, I had some offers to Mexico, I had some offers to Russia. But I was like, man, you know, uh, for me, I have a four year old daughter. Her name is Mia. So for me, it's like you have to make, you know, the most calculated risk. Uh, not only for you, but for your daughter as well. So, uh, funny story. I was on LinkedIn, and th- at the time, it was yeah, I was on LinkedIn, and um, was putting everything out there. And this was Thanksgiving around around the time of Thanksgiving. So I'm eating with my best friend and his family, and uh, something had just came across my mind. I was just like, man, I wonder what everybody in the world is doing right now. It's like, hmm. They're probably watching some football and they're probably drinking and eating food, but everybody's probably like chilling and on their phone. So I just so happened to make a post saying that, hey, Chris Bryant, I'm still out here, free agent, you know, still looking for, you know, a place I can call home. Like, you know, serious inquiries, hit my email, hit my phone. And it had to be a blessing for all of this to happen for me because when I made that post, uh, a coach that I used to play against in the TBL, his name is Demarcus Berry. He used to coach uh, Sutherland. I think he used to coach for Sutherland. He yeah, was, he was Sutherland coach the first year I Sutherland worked for the club. Yeah. yeah. So funny story. That's actually Blake played for him too in the TBL for a Tampa team as well. This was before I even knew Blake. But funny. Uh, long story short, I made the post and he uh, he mentioned my coach Daniel Kim he mentioned his name up under it and I was like dang who I was like who is Daniel Kim so when I clicked on it I seen instantly it said Daniel Kim and it said NBL one I was like oh like 
whoa, whoa, what is this? Like, so he ended up DMing me and he was like, hey man, I see you've been grinding. I see you've been doing your thing. And he was like, I feel like uh, I could be a blessing towards you. Like, I was just on the phone with the coach and he is looking for somebody like yourself and your skill set. Now, he told me that, you know, nothing is given, but I feel like this is a great opportunity for you and you'll be in Sydney, Australia. So when he told me that, I was like, oh, no, I'm getting the job. The job is mine. <laughs> the job is mine. So I'm a person that manifests a lot of things. So he was like, you know, you got to impress him. You got to do, you know, all the right things, say all the right things. And I was like, listen, the job is already mine. I'm already putting it in the air. It's already mine. And with Coach Daniel Kim, we got to talk and build a relationship. He got to learn, uh, you know, the kind of person that I was. And um, granted, he had a, a bunch of other people that he could have chose but, you know, we built a relationship and he told me, like, he was like, I can just hear it in your voice how much that you want this opportunity. And a couple of weeks went by. I was working uh, in the States as a, a paraprofessional, like a teacher's helper in the States. And um, funny story, I had unfortunately had got fired <laughs> and unfortunately got fired in like the next week. Uh, Daniel Kim called me and was like, um, you know, he was like, just wanted to call you today and let you know that, um, you know, we want to offer you um, a contract to come play for us in the NOS Bulls. And I just, I just broke down and cried, man. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. Like, I could, I couldn't believe all my hard work and everything that I had did, and to, you know, to reach my goal and and to finally be out here. I was like. You know, you just don't understand, like, how much this means to me to be able to get this opportunity. And I was like, whatever you need from me, if that's just to, to run the court, you want me to rebound, you want me to score 20, 30 points a game, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to do everything in my power to try to win us a championship. And so from that point on, we've been building our relationship every single day. Uh, it's kind of more, more of – like a best friend than a coach, but as a coach as well, because uh, we have similar backgrounds, and I'm always able to talk to him about any and everything. So it just makes uh, it makes the situation a lot sweeter um, coming in and with the guys and him giving me pointers and you know things that I can get better because I'm always wanting to get one percent better. Like it really doesn't matter to me how many points I score, how many rebounds I score. He can tell you that I'm always looking to get better. Like after each and every game, what can I do to get better? I'm looking at film. How how can I make more of an impact not only on the game but with my teammates and relationships and stuff like that as well? So he's been putting me in the right position to be successful from day one, and I've just been grateful ever since. That was the best story ever. That I love that is the story. So good. <laughs> Listen, me like you know me and Lucky, we're already basketball nerds. We commentate. Deep dive in the stats when whatnot, but the stories like that is the reason why you start a podcast and you stay in basketball and you talk to athletes because I love those stories. They're the stories I look for. <laughs> and for you, for for because you know when you said it was on LinkedIn, I was like, I actually saw your LinkedIn profile uh, when I was doing some research for a decent intro uh, to have <laughs> you on the show, and um, that's when I knew we're like, no, this guy's kind of serious. And he's a. You said you're good at networking, and I can completely back that up. You are very good at networking. You're very active on socials. You got the LinkedIn profile, like you said, and you're certainly putting yourself in the best possible position 
to get a great opportunity. And I'm so glad that you were rewarded by having someone like Coach Kim, who's a great coach, mm-hmm. uh, give you this opportunity to come and play in Australia. Now, you know, apologies that it is winter, but uh, <laughs> I, I imagine that's the, the an easy trade-off to have to deal with an Australian winter to come over and uh, and get an opportunity to play in Australia, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, to be honest, I got here... I got here in the middle of January, so I did get I did get the summer and um, was able to, uh, you know, enjoy the. To be honest with you, uh, being being here in Australia, it reminds me a lot of Florida. It really does with the the, the palm. You got some you know some palm trees. You got beach. You got the people. Like it's not as humid. It's very humid in Florida, but it's not humid here. So I love that. I love waking up and seeing the tall buildings and just going to try new things and. Going to all the different beaches and people trying to show me around. So, uh, to be honest with you, since I've been here, all my teammates says that I've done more things here than Australian people that are that live here. Like I've been to, uh, I've been to you know the bridge. I walked the bridge. Went to the opera bar. I've I've been to a Lebanese wedding out here. I got invited like my third week out here. Don't ask me how. I'm just able to. <laughs> Make some magic like that. Uh, I've been to an AFL game. I'm real cool with a uh, lot of the Kings players. So ever since I've been here, we've been going to all the Kings games. And um, maybe the only thing I haven't done really was uh, probably hop on the ferry yet and maybe, like, go to Manly or something like that. Like, just do some adventures or something like that. Or see kangaroos. I haven't seen them yet, but I know they're not in town. I know probably when, I, when we go to Canberra, I'll see some kangaroos. But a lot of my teammates are impressed of how – I'm just able to uh, get around and uh, meet new people because I'm a, I'm a people's person. So uh, my coach tell me all the time that, you know, all the people that he done coached and been around players, NBA players, he was like, I never seen nobody network and like, and for them to get to know somebody that's like not from here, like so quickly and so swiftly. So we're still trying to find out what I can do with that type of gift. But I think it's just my aura to be able to talk and people gravitate towards my my energy. So uh, I think it's just a, a, a blessing in the skies really for me. And I don't think, yeah, people take for granted as well the power of social media, including the likes of LinkedIn to make those connections, but also being able to back it up with being reliable with your communication, having a positive attitude and tone to your communication as well. I think, you know, showing the, the kindness that as well that people have, um, that goes a long way when it comes to doing, I guess, on paper, what is a business deal of signing a contract as an athlete. Yeah, I mean, I mean, care. I mean, my coach tell me all the time, like your character is all you have, and I believe I believe it in the same way because somebody might not know you, but they might ask, you know, how's his character? Like, is he a good person? Is he not a good person? Is he a person in the community? And my whole thing was, I was like, when I come to Sydney, I'm not changing. I'm gonna be the same person that I was at home and I was uh, a leader. I feel like uh, even with basketball, I mean, for me, LeBron James is my is my idol. Like he sets the bar, he sets the, the pedestal for me. So for, you know, for me to try to idolize somebody that, you know, a man in his community, he gives back um, a people person is not scared to put himself out there or, you know, help with, you know, go show up to kids games or do something special for somebody. Like I always have, People view me here as a superstar. I want to be a, a star where that, you know, I'm hands on. People can touch me and, and know that, you know, I put my, you know, I put my pants on every day 
just like, you know, the next person do. So uh, I'm never too high, too low uh, with anything, but I try to do as much as I can to just give back because you only can play basketball for so long and people remember the little things that you can do in the community. So, like, uh, I, currently I stay with a host family and I went to uh, the youngest one. I went to his elementary school and it's a, probably, it's a small school of 200 kids. And I went and it was a guest speaker and all the kids just – rallied <laughs> rallied around me and um they and now like he's like the coolest kid in school <laughs> he's like the coolest kid in school. so uh no like doing things like that helping out with our younger team i do local comp for the neutral bay blazers so or i just show up to you know if you know if it's a game or something like that i just show up and um you know let people just you know talk to me ask me questions or sign sign autographs uh, and it makes kids, you know, day because I remember when I was growing up and being in elementary school, we never had like an athlete or somebody like like, like that come to the school and and speak. So um, things like that, kids don't they don't forget like they hold that with them forever. So uh, I want to make an impact like that. So if uh, I don't end up playing in Australia for the rest of my career, that you know, kids will be like, hey, I remember this this one athlete that came. His name was Chris Bryant. He was just. You know what I'm saying? It was just the nicest, sweetest guy, like one of my favorite athletes of all time. So that right there means more to me than basketball. Yeah, I still remember the import that we had at our local team way before it was Waratah and NBL1 uh, from 30 years ago. Ernest Nzigamazabo, I still remember his name because he did the exact same thing as you, uh, came to our schools, did the holiday camps, um, was always trying to like uh, – give back to the community and, and make himself known as he is the import for the team, come and watch the team. And, yeah, I mean, the I think that, that stuff that looks small on the outside makes a massive impact. For sure, for sure. I definitely agree. So, like, even I think now we uh, – I've done some appearances at uh, North Sydney Elementary School, me and Blake and a couple of the, the girls' team, and the kids enjoyed it so much that they invited us to, to, come, to come back and um, – you know, show the kids how to play basketball. So be able to just to have that impact and, you know, the kids get to watch us and when they come up to me and be, me and Blake and be like, dunk it, dunk it, dunk it, dunk it, dunk it. <laughs> so like, you know, like these kids, are, they'll never forget that. Or, or we find ourselves doing the gritty after every 20 minutes <laughs> with them. So uh, doing things like that, man, I, I, I love it, man. It brings like a, a big, warm welcome into my heart. It really does. I'll throw it to you, Lockie. You got the next question. Oh, well, if we switch to on court, um, did you have any like prior expectations of what NBL One East would be like? Um, and are they meeting those expectations, exceeding them, or are they uh, just different? I would say, uh, you know, before I signed, you know, my coach gave me an assignment. He told me to watch the the finals, uh, Canberra, and I think it was Maitland, was that of last year? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I watched, you know, I watched that and um, broke down, me and him both broke down the film, and that was probably one of the things that impressed him was how I broke down film. I, I kind of break it down like a coach, like, oh, this player does this, this player does that, and he was blown away. But, um, you know, when I seen the level and I seen the competition, I just seen who was in the finals, and um just watching the games and stuff, I was looking, and um, to be honest with you, I was licking my chops. I was like, oh, I feel like I can come here and I can dominate. 
uh, off rip. I just felt like I was like, once I learned, uh, you know, the style, uh, the foul calls and uh, things of that nature, I still uh, almost get in trouble by trying to call timeout on a loose ball. <laughs> so it's still some little small, little minor things. But, um, man, since being over here, um, you know, my first game I had uh, 27 and four steals. I had the big, I guess, everybody's calling it the dunk of the year. Uh, but I had the big dunk that shocked the whole league, you know, when I first got here. So I was like, well, that really helped me a lot. <laughs> Um, but I would say it probably took me about um, three or four games just to get adjusted, uh, not only with just the time difference, but just the style. I would say more in America is more of uh, body body contact fouls, and here is more like if you reach in, you know, <laughs> wrist, you're, get, you're getting that call. So I remember a couple of preseason games. I had one or two games I fouled out, and I was like, man, I got to stop reaching. <laughs> I was just like, I know I can take it, but if you don't get it, they, they blowing that whistle. So, you no, know, once I started making the adjustment, and I actually listened to uh, I listened to the NBA One News when you actually mentioned me, and you was like, uh, you know, very versatile, vers- uh, very versatile, power forward, um, kind of could do everything, like, you know, both ends, and you was I, you you said exactly what it was in my mind. Like, I think once he gets adjusted, that you know, you know, it's gonna really start to take over. And it was probably around my third or fourth game where I just broke out, and I told I told my coach, I said, I figured it out. I said, you know, I, I figured it out. <laughs> so once I figured it out, um, my whole thing is just being consistent. So I'm very comfortable. Really uh, cool with the refs. So sometimes I do a little bit of swearing, but you know they, you know they just pull me to the side and be like, "CB, stop swearing." I'll be like, "My bad." <laughs> I'm very aggressive. So, uh, but now I got a good relationship with them, and um, they let me play my game, and um, you know let me do my thing. So for me, I'm very comfortable with the league, and I feel like it's still, you know, it's still more that I can I can do and I can give, and more game that I have that I can show. So for me. Uh, I think, you know, I didn't over-exceed expectations, but I'm never too high, too low. I always just want to get better. My whole thing of it don't really matter how successful I get, how can I get better? So I'm always looking to just getting better each and every day to show more and more people or people around the league that, you know, hey, this kid, he can play at the highest level. And my goal is to play at the highest level here. Now, thank you for uh... – Hey, I mean, it's always hard doing an episode of a show where you're like, hey, have a look at this talent and then the risk of that said talent you've recommended don't come through. So thank you after, <laughs> thank you for doing me the favour of uh, validating my preview of the league and saying, hey, you got to watch out for this guy, see me. I thank you for stepping up and showing that I was right. So I think you more did me the favor than anything yeah, I, else. I, I mean, I told you, I, I do my homework. So I'm always in, I'm always in tune to see, like, who's doing what, who's killing around the league, you know, see if my name is getting mentioned or my team is getting mentioned. And um, even if my team don't get mentioned, I'd be like, you know what? It's more than I got to do. Like, it's way more than I got to do to make sure that we get the recognition that I feel like that we deserve. So. I'm always motivated each and every day. I'm always, so I always find something, something small to motivate me. And my coach does a really good job as well of doing that for me and Blake, making sure that we're always on our toes and never comfortable. But I'm a person that never gets comfortable. I just always want to get better. 
So, well, in in that case, keep an eye out for the most recent ep- the the new episode of the MBL One show that's going to be released this week because you may get uh, some good news in that episode. You may like the content for the East mm. on that episode. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> no, I'm excited. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, I mean, you talked about the fouls, and I did chuckle when you said that they call a lot of hands fouls because you're right, they do, and even. Coaching juniors, uh, you know, which is the direct pathway to playing something like MBL1, it's exactly the same. So when I was coaching juniors, it's always like, look, I don't even care if you play defense with your hand behind your back. Just don't put your hands in because anytime you just put the doubt in the referee's mind of putting your hand in, whether it's a foul or not, they're going to call it. And to your credit, you fouled out your first game. And ever <laughs> since, no, well, that's okay. No, 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 no that's what I'm saying. <laughs> But, you know, that's okay. I mean, uh, I've you know, you've found out one game of the whole competition so far. And ever since then, you've had no more than three. Mm. So I feel like you're, you know, full credit for you, to you for adjusting so quickly. Sounds like those preseason games definitely, uh, you know, worked out well as well. So you give you enough time uh, to get used to adjusting as well to the style of play and the physicality and what, what is going to be called and what's not going to be called. So, yeah, to credit to you, you haven't been fouled out since the first round. Yeah, and I hope to go the rest of the season like that because I know how uh, <laughs> much my team need me and how much of an impact uh, I make on the floor. Plus, I want to play, so I don't want to sit on the bench. <laughs> so... Team's flying high at the moment, right up the top of the table. Um, you think you guys can stay there? And what do you need to do to help Inner West need win a championship? Yeah, I mean, uh, our whole goal was to, you know, prove that we could be at the top of the ladder. I know uh, last year the team was two points away, um, lost against Sutherland from getting in the playoffs. Then, of course, this year the league is growing and it add more teams. So, you know, my, my whole mindset is trying to win a championship. Um, so one being at the top of the ladder proves and shows, uh, you know, how disciplined and how serious we are of, you know, just showing everybody or just not in Australia, but all across the board, uh, how serious we are, how deep we are. I mean, you have guys like me and then you have a, I always call him the best shooter in the league. You have Blake, knockdown shooter. You got Alex Tisha, who is, you know, that's like my little brother, but he's like another import. Um, you know, we got Tony Talavez, who did play NBL 1. Um, we got uh, Johnny Mays, uh, he played Cam. We got a whole bunch of we got a whole bunch of pieces in a vet, veteran group. And I feel like uh, I always try to compare my teams to somebody like in the NBA. And I feel like we are the Miami Heat when LeBron was there, but his second year. Like that second year, it was a whole bunch of veteran guys. They was locked in. They knew they knew what they wanted to get to. They knew the goal. They knew how to get there. And you know, they ran with their leaders and they ran, they ran with their squad. And we have a very good positive group where everybody's a leader. Not only the captains, but everybody has a voice on the team. You know, when we're not doing something right, you know, we we huddle up at the end of practice and we you know we analyze practice and we talk about what we need to do what things that we need to accomplish, you know, before going to the next game. And we everybody have positive responses because, you know, everybody has the same goal. And we have a group of guys, veteran guys, that's around with the same goal. It's contagious. Like, you're never going to have somebody that's off track. 
even if they would want it to, they're going to jump on board because, you know, winning solves everything. And we win as a team. No no, no one person is bigger than the team. So, um, yeah, being at the top of the ladder now, being being number one, like, like I'm very happy. I'm very proud. But we're not finished. Like, we're not done. Like, we still got more to prove. We have about a six-game road stretch coming up that's going to really test us and um, show how consistent we can be and see that we can, you know, uh, you know, separate ourselves from other teams. And we know that every other team is, you know, looking at us and looking, you know, that we're at the top of the board and they want to beat us. So we don't take none of these games or we don't take none of these weeks for granted. We always want to come in and prepare and make sure that we're ready going into the, you know, to the next contest. But um, for your second answer, I would say uh, for me, uh, for me, my whole thing is just being consistent. Say consistent. Um no, you know, do what I do best, run the floor, make shots, make free throws, have an impact with my energy because um, the team really rallies around me. So just stay even kill. Um, I feel like I'm doing very well of, you know, getting myself to the line and being very efficient as far as like, like my last couple of games. I haven't missed, really missed probably more than six shots in total. Uh, last game was 10 for 13 with 26 points. So uh, just stay consistent. Stay even kill and um, you know keep being a leader on and off the court and letting the team you know know that you know hey I got your back regardless if you make shots or you miss shots you know we're not gonna always make shots but long as we have the same you know the same goals same mindset and we all have positive energy and that starts with me <clears throat> me and Blake in particular as long as we stay right there and stay positive with our group then we'll get to those we'll get to those hard times and. Those games where we're getting battle tested and we'll we'll push through. So for me, it's all about leadership and being consistent the whole time. Are there any teams out there that you have on your radar that you think are going to be quite challenging? Because I know that you're preparing to play the Falcons, Newcastle Falcons, this weekend. Is that someone that you can see as a bit of a challenge? Yeah, uh, Newcastle got some got some good guys at least. Four guys that you know scoring double digits. Uh, they have Cherry, big solid, big solid big that likes to score. So that's my new challenge of the week. And um, you know, this is started by our road stretch. I feel like this is like a whole new season for us because the first half was like, okay, can we win and can we be consistent and can we finish out games how we you know how we supposed to, you know, before we get on the before we get here. So we was already kind of foreshadowing, like, okay, we need to handle business until we get to the second part of the season. But now that we're at kind of almost at the halfway mark, it's for me, it's almost like uh, a new season for me because all the rest of these games are going to be on the road. And, you know, it's hard to win on the road going to somebody else's house, with their crowd, and their people and their refs. Uh, it's just going to be – it's going to be a fun road, but it's going to be challenging this too, and I – I really can't wait to just, uh, you know, get a lot of these games under our belt fires on the road. Uh, I look at us as a villain, like the villain team, and I, I embrace that very well going into other people's uh, home and, you know, getting that getting that win over them. So Newcastle would be, would be one. North is really good. Um, Elawara would be a good, a good test. And Canberra would be another good test. For us as well. So, you know, we got a lot of – and we play a lot of them on the road. So, there's going to be a lot of really good games, and we have to make sure that we come in with the right uh, my, right mindset, focus, 
um, making sure that we're going over the scout, we're looking over film, and you know we're ready and prepared. And I always tell our team, like before every, really before every away game, that we have to come in here with the mindset that we're already down ten. We don't have, you know, room for error to start slow and try to fight your way back because you might not always get the the outcome that you want if you don't start the way you know start games how you're supposed to start. So. Um, couple of those games and those guys uh, looking forward to playing. It'll be some good challenges, not only for me, but just for as a team as a whole. And we just can't wait to see how it molds us as a group. Yeah, you got the next six games on the road. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of games on the road in a row. So you got Newcastle, Maitland, Canberra Gunners, Illawarra Hawks, uh, Sydney Comets, and Penrith Panthers before you finally return home on June 24th to play Newcastle again. So, yeah, that's that's quite a stretch. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah, that's a brutal yeah, draw. I mean, it's, it's fun. I mean, that's what, that's what you play basketball for, to go through the, the highs and the lows and the, and the tough roads, you know, traveling. So I'm actually excited to see a couple of these nice gyms. Uh, I know it's going to be pretty cold. Some of them are going to be pretty cold, but – I know, like, Comet's got a, not got a nice gym. Canberra have a nice gym. Illawarra has an amazing court. So I just can't wait to go in there and, you know, see the see the, see the the fans get booed and, you know, trying to hush them up, really. I think you're the you first person. Don't, make sure you don't step on the sideline at Comet's. <laughs> yeah, they're court, they're courts a couple of, yeah, they're courts a couple of feet skinny. <laughs> in both directions, like... I don't think it's a regular regulation size court in length, so you'll be able to run double. Oh, man. oh well, that's good, then. Yeah, as long as I, yeah. As long as I can outrun my mans, then I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> now, conscious of time, the last question we've got before we reveal our all-star five for round seven is who is CB off the court? Man, who is CB off the court? CB is first a father. Um, a person that always calling, checking at home on my four-year-old, who's very proud to say back home to all her friends and teachers that my daddy is playing in Australia. <laughs> uh, so I'm a family man first. Uh, I love music. Uh, I love uh, joking around, being around the guys. I like skating, like actually uh, rollerblading. Like I like going out and do new things. I like to eat, so maybe we all get a chance to go to a buffet or something, get something to eat, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, there's a couple of good places, but um, CB is a very chilled and relaxed guy. And, um, really, I just like to – I stay – basketball stays on my mind 24-7, so even when I'm off the court, I feel like I'm still working. I feel like either I'm talking to somebody about basketball or I'm promoting myself, putting myself out there, or um, – you know, just doing like uh, I would say, like before uh, this last game, I watched basketball the whole the whole day. End up because you know NBA here is in the morning, so I wake up and there's like three playoff games. So I'm watching those, then I'm watching film, and then I'm watching you know teams around the league. So I watch the Bankstown game, and I watch the Comets game. I even watch some of the. Uh, our girls' game and the uh, Bankstown girls' game. I was able to watch that game, and um, you know, it just had me excited. Like I'm like, man, I can't wait to play. So I'm always just uh, looking and learning and trying to get better, and um, just relaxing on my off time and just you know, just being a regular, just trying to be a regular person, really, like everybody else. You know, my job is just to play basketball. That's all, and I'm just blessed to be able to do that. 
the all-consuming lifestyle of an athlete. It sounds pretty sounds pretty cool, and I'm I'm glad that you're here to uh, do it in our NBL One East League. I mean, I'm sure you could have. You've, I don't know if you've watched many games of other conferences, but typically North and South are known to be the stronger conferences. But I certainly think that NBL One East has only been around now in its second year, mm-hmm. and it's already in a year uh, has gone up a notch in the in the standard of talent and play. So um, we're very lucky that you have come to to play in the East, and it's so I'm so glad to hear that you're making the most of it. It sounds like you're having a great time. Uh, while you're in Sydney too but uh well before we wrap up as we do with every episode CB we give an all-star five for uh, for the round and I'm going to throw to Lockie he's going to do the women's uh, all-star five for round seven now welcome to chime in with any uh any kind of two cents you may have for our all-stars as well Mm-hmm. Um, so don't feel like you have to sit this one out, but would love to hear your opinions if you if you've got it. So Lockie, I'll take it over to you. I'm very keen to hear this uh, women's All Star Five for round seven because there were it would have been another hard round to pick. Yeah, fortunately there were only um, seven games, which was made it a fair bit easier because I think the last time I did a women's All Star Five, we had thirteen or fourteen games to uh, pick from. <laughs> But uh, so I think CB will actually be pretty happy with my All-Star 5 because we're going to lead it off with Leilani Mitchell again mm. with her 25 points, two rebounds and nine assists in that uh, win over the Central Coast. And, of course, can't go past Michaela Domkins also from Inner West with another outstanding performance of 26 points, 18 rebounds, two assists, three steals, and a block, and that eighteen rebounds. Well, that's that's probably below average for her, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, when I seen it on the stat sheet, I was like, man, I need to step my game up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, definitely shout, shout out to uh, NOS uh, women's team, uh, Miss Donna over there representing. Uh, she's definitely a tough cookie, but she, you know, she expects the best out of them. So I'm proud of Leilani, and I'm proud of all the girls, you know getting the ball roller uh, for them and glad that they're able to, uh, you know, you know, uh, make this accomplishment. So I'm sure our boy Sammy Mack down on the banks of the Murray will be very happy with my next one. Cause it's Lizzie Murphy, 28 points, six rebounds, two assists, four steals, eight of 10 from beyond the arc in an 86, 68 win over Penrith. I just want to give a bit of context to this performance because um, it's, I don't think it's getting as much love as it should. So, most threes in the game this season in NBL One East Women's, we got Cezzy Matthews knocked down nine in a game, and then on eight we have Vanessa Panusis, Leilani Mitchell, and sixteen-year-old Lizzie Murphy. Wow, those you know put her in that company. So I think uh, yeah, she should be getting a lot more love than she is for that ridiculous performance. Uh, Next up is Sydney Hunter from Maitland. Had 21 points, 11 rebounds, four assists, five steals, uh, 7-12 from the field, 7-7 at the charity stripe to help Maitland over the line against Hills with a 69-59 win. And then rounding it out is Violet Morrow of Bankstown. Big 30-point, 10-rebound, two-assist, three-steal game in a 91-60 win over Hornsby. But just with a few uh, honourable mentions, uh, Shyla Hill, uh, 28 and 6, good at the line, um, shooting percentage from the field, not quite at her usual standards. Uh, Tyler Mundine, Meg Jefferson, both had 20-point games. 
Um, Jada Crawshaw, big double-double. Uh, Lauren Nicholson as well. And Emma Mahadi, uh, Mahadi and Kate Seabom, both nearly on the way to triple-doubles, but not quite getting one. So definitely a lot of high-level players there. Mm-hmm. But uh, So, yeah, there's yeah. my five. Yeah, shout out to uh, the Violet Morrow. I actually got a chance to... To, to meet her and um very beautiful person and uh uh got a chance to watch her game and she actually got a chance to come to my game and watch me play as well i think we we had a little bet about who gets the most points but you know she had she had 30 and 10 and i had 26 and 6 so she, won. she uh, won. i don't think i don't think it's a smart bet for anyone going head to head on uh <laughs> on that what's her instant name that girl kathy yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, yes. talk about someone who didn't need a lot of a time adjusting to the league. Like she's just turned up and it's like, yeah, I'll play. And she's just dominated ever since she got here. Yeah, she's she's amazing. Uh, just watching her play and you know put up those threes. How she how she do? I I be amazed myself. So we we have like a uh, little small little battles about you know who can shoot better. But I'm like, well, you can't dunk. So you know, I win in that. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely proud of her. She's doing her thing. Proud of her. Challenge to Violet Morrow if you ever hear this to be able to dunk by the end of the NBL One E season just to, <laughs> just to get one up on CB. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll take us through. Uh, I was yeah, I was tasked with the men All Star Five, and uh, I had a short list of fourteen players, so cutting it down to five was really really difficult. Uh, but at the top, I've got Brennan Reimer from North Bears. He had thirty seven points and five assists, and his shooting percentage increased dramatically from last round to this round, shooting at 54%. Uh, So that's a huge effort considering uh, that was over against Illawarra Hawks and uh, not having the likes of Junior Madut. So Brennan Reimer really taking in some, uh, stepping up with some scoring uh, responsibilities there. Uh, But in the same game, got to give a shout-out to Philip uh, Dupud, who had 30 points and 15 rebounds, shooting at 50%, also having to step up quite a bit in the absence of a lot of star players from that Illawarra Hawks lineup. Then we had Jameer Coleman from the Albury Wodonga Bandits, who had 25 points, 10 rebounds, 3 of 6, and 6 steals against the Penrith Panthers, also with a very handy 44% from the field goal percentage. So this is how, like, this is how deep, like how much we have to look into it now for these all-star fives because when they're rounds and rounds and rounds of great stats, I have to like resort to field goal percentages and I think it's going to get to a stage where I'm going to have to resort to turnovers, win losses mm-hmm. and things like that. It's getting, <laughs> yeah, it's getting yeah. that tight. I got two more, I got two more to go, CB. Uh, the first one being your boy Blake Morrow from the Inner West Bulls, 21 points, seven rebounds, nine assists, flirting with the triple-double against the Central Coast Crusaders. We call him Mullet Man. Mullet Man. Mullet Man. Yeah, he's Mullet Man. <laughs> I got to remember that. I got to remember that when you guys come and play at Terrigal against the Crusaders again. So when I'm behind the commentary box, I got to try and remember to refer to Blake as Mullet Man. I'll I, I send it to you. <laughs> yeah, good. Thank you. <laughs> I got one more spot in this five, CB. Can you help me out? Who's going to get the fifth spot? Ah, oh, man, no other than your boy. 
Yeah, it's got to be CB. It's got to be CB himself. The 26 points, six rebounds and three steals also against the Central Coast Crusaders. Thought I'd just kind of like tease you there, just dangle it there at the end there, trying to make you sweat to see if you're going to get that fifth spot. But you knew. You knew you got it. <laughs> yeah, I knew I had it in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with that, that wraps up our episode uh, for M- or East Got Game covering round seven of the MBL1 East 2023 competition. Uh, Chris, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you as a guest for this episode. Uh, really, really appreciate you coming on. I'm sure you were really tr- well and truly starving by now, so we'll let you go and have some dinner. <laughs> um, but truly appreciative of your time and sharing your story, and I'm so glad you did because what a story it is on how you got here and uh, manifesting for you that your career keeps growing and that you get a get a, at least a training camp opportunity with an MBL team while you're here. So, yeah, all the best to you. Uh, thank you. And I just want to uh, thank you guys for just giving me the opportunity to come on here and, you know, have some fun and shed some light on my story and also just with the team as well. So I just want to thank you guys for the opportunity. Really excited. This was really fun. And just can't wait to see you guys in person. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll have to wait a whole seven rounds, I think, until you're at Terry Gold. But, uh <laughs> We'll, we'll see you nonetheless. And Lockie, as always, thank you for your hard work and dedication to Scott Game. But you've got some news and gossip. We forgot news and gossip, didn't got we? Just a couple of things, news and gossip. So while you I was do. up at Manly, just while I was up at Manly, um, unfortunately, um, sorry, Mowbray didn't play. Um, she is not on crutches, but using a crutch with an ankle injury. Uh, Zoe Miller did play NBL one, but she didn't back up in youth league. Uh, big congratulations to Illawarra's Noah Pagotto uh, via Port Macquarie. He has committed to West Texas A&M University. And finally, uh, this Friday night down at Sydney Uni, 5.30 p.m., 7.30 p.m., we've got UBL basketball, UTS taking on Sydney Uni. Uh, probably 12 or 13 NBL1 East players in each of the women's and men's games. Uh, the teams are flying high with just two rounds to play. So that will be live streamed or get down to Sydney Uni and catch some of our emerging stars, uh, Carla Pittman, Alex K. Ruse, Matty Wager, Mikey Young, uh, Alex Higgins-Titcher, uh, Nico Timonera. Woo! Plenty of big names up there. They're young, but it's going to be a fun night of basketball and I will certainly be there. My boys. Shout out to Nico. Shout out to Alex. <laughs> I think I think the only thing I have really for news and gossip was that uh, Nay Sakya from Penrith was clocked at playing only two minutes forty five against the Bandits, and it turns out he wasn't even there. So uh, not too sure how he managed to clock up some minutes for the game that he didn't even attend. But uh, the other thing was Shyla Hill tweeted a very Brianna Stewart style cryptic tweet with all emojis. Uh, Probably hinting that she is likely to likely have secured an overseas contract. When she's going to go, we don't know. We do know that you know she's in contention for the Opals team for the Asia Cup in a couple of months' time. But I'm my guess is that she's booked herself a European contract, and we likely won't see her for the next WNBL season. So if that's the case, Shyla, congratulations, and we hope uh, we hope to see you in a European uniform because I think um, it's going to be super exciting for you. So that's the only goss I got. Um, but otherwise, thanks again to both of you for an excellent episode and 
for all the listeners. Thanks for listening, subscribing, liking, um, and we'll see you for the next episode. See you.